All right, we are live here, episode 25 of the Lucas Grand Sire Podcast, super creative podcast for super creative guide. I'm very excited about our guest today. It is, of course, the great Travis Luter. What's going on, sir? How are you? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we, we were saying it off uh, before we started, right? Like, this is, it's not quite the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm trying to turn into him, right, with the headphones and trying to shave my head and stuff. But unless we talk about the, the chimpanzees and the DMT, <laughs> it's not quite his podcast. Yeah, I don't know that much about DMT, so it's like we we might want to, you know, it's like uh, I've only I only really know what I've heard Joe say, so it's like I'm definitely not an expert on DMT. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm the same way. I didn't I didn't even know it was a thing. You know, he he talks about so many different things on his podcast. You're like I had no idea this was even a thing, and now it's like if people talk about DMT, half of it it's like it's just from Joe Rogan. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Yeah, going out and finding out information on DMT is, you know, very, very difficult. And then, you know, I know a few people with uh, DMT experiences, but, you know, it's like, and they've, they've told me about their experiences. They all sound very similar to what, you know, I've heard Joe, Joe say. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole personally. So. There we go. Uh, what, what was it like? I mean, I assume that wasn't your first time meeting Joe Rogan, but it's kind of a different setting, right? With the podcast and, you know, sitting down with him for three hours. Like, how was it sort of that whole experience? Man, I did a, a UFC thing where we did a long interview back then, but, you know, it was only on fighting. Uh, you know, it's like an you know, upcoming fight. Uh, I forget if I was fighting Anderson Silver or Rich Franklin. Um, you know, they, they, they actually flew me to L.A., to be interviewed by Joe, and that, that was that was cool, you know, it's like, of course, you know, it's like, I met Joe, man, it was in the early UFCs, and I started going to his shows, and so I'd see him at his shows, and it's like, uh, you know, I've known Joe a long, long time, and so it's, it's uh, you know, it was definitely good, good to catch up with him, so... Well, was it good for you to be able to kind of sit down? Because that's kind of unique, right? You sit down, you've got Kevin Holland there with you, and you know that with Joe Rogan, you're not going to get asked about Derek Brunson for three hours. Like, you guys could really, I mean, we mentioned off the top with DMT, like, you could have gone into anything on that podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, Joe does a good job of uh, kind of guiding it. You know, it's like, it's real subtle what he does. Uh, but Joe's a very, you know, is doing a very good job as an interviewer. Um, you know, it's definitely, a, you know, it was a fun experience. I think Joe does a very, very good job interviewing people. Um, you know, it's like, uh, we, we had a very, very good time. And so I have to ask, what did that do for your brand and Kevin Holland? Like, obviously you're put in front of millions of eyeballs. Like, did you guys experience a big surge on social media, stuff like that? Like you must've had some sort of, uh, something must've changed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I got a small surge. Kevin got a big surge, you know, it's yeah. like Kevin, you know, he's the star. I'm just there as a coach and stuff like that. Uh, so he's, you know, he, he, I forget his Instagram following jumped up, you know, a third or something like that. It was crazy. Um, you know, mine's still not big enough to talk about, you know, he's like, I, I'm just a coach. I'm just along for the ride. I'm there to make Kevin look good. There we go. Uh, have you reached that point where like people sort of see you as coach Travis Luter and there are people that don't realize like, hold up, this guy was in the UFC, fought Anderson Silva. Have you reached that point yet? To a degree, you know, it's like, you know, some of the young guys and stuff like that come to the gym and never saw me fight, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, they're, you know, they, 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 you know, watch videos or whatever now. So it's like, uh, it's definitely changed a little bit. I'm definitely, you know, moving into the different, you know, later stage of my life, uh, you know, for, as far as coaching and fighting, you know, so it's like no more fighting for me, but um, I still train, you know, it's like I, I, I was short a wrestler. So it's like I was the wrestler. Or one of the wrestlers on Monday for Kevin, you know, so it's like uh, fun, fun stuff. So when I announced that you were coming on the podcast, like I had a bunch of people tell me there's one specific question I have to ask you, like a certain moment in one of your fights that, you know, people, the, the people needed me to ask you. And since I have you on, I have to ask, but Mike Goldberg came out with this big quote during one of your fights calling you the Michael Jordan of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. People seem to really enjoy that. What did you think when you heard that for the first time? Yeah, that's, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's very accurate. Michael, you know, is the, you know, is the quintessential, you know, he, he's the man uh, as far as basketball, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's like there's people that debate it. You know, it's like I think of him as the GOAT. You know, it's like I am just, uh, you know, I'm good at Jiu-Jitsu, but I'm not Michael Jordan. It's kind of a weird quote, right? Because all of a sudden, it's like you know, it, it sort of it might change the way people see, right? Like that's a big thing. Like getting compared to Michael Jordan, I mean, he didn't name some random guy off the bench. Like you got compared to the goat. Like 
there had to be a little bit of part of you that was like, oh, Mike, come on, man. Yeah, you know, if, if, if I would have won, won the fight, I would have felt a lot better about it. That, that does make a <laughs> – yeah, I mean, when you say it like that, it, it's definitely true. Uh, when, when you fought Anderson Silva, how was that experience of fighting someone like Anderson? Like, people, they, they talk about, you know, entering the Matrix, all that good stuff. For you in that fight, how did it feel? Looking back on it, I think, what, maybe 10, 11 years later, how, how was that kind of experience with Anderson? You know, Anderson was just like fighting anybody else. You know, it's like I followed Anderson. I knew who he was before he was in the UFC. Uh, you know, he fought Jorge Rivera. Um, you know, I talked about, you know, him, uh, you know, as early as when he fought, you know, when uh, I saw Rich at uh, UFC 50 when uh, when he fought, uh, or not Rich, but Jorge Rivera when he fought Rich Franklin. So Jorge Rivera was going to fight him. And I remember we talked about Anderson Silva because he'd fought him in cage rage. And, um, and Jorge is really, really tough guy. You know, it's like very, very, um, you know, really good stand-up. And he had gotten put away by uh, Anderson. And, and he ended up getting put away by uh, Rich, too. But it was a good competitive fight. Um, and, but he talked about, you know, hitting. He caught Anderson with everything he had. And Anderson smiled. And, you know, it's like, so he knew he was, he knew it was tough. But it's like, uh, as far as, like, I was concerned, he was just another guy. As you know, I was going out there, getting ready to, they're going to pay me to fight him. And I get to find out if I'm as good as I think I am. And that's the thing, right? Like a lot of people, when they describe Anderson Silva, we mentioned Michael Jordan, right? Like they have an aura around them, like when people describe him and stuff like that. But for you as a fighter, did you ever see someone like that, uh, you know, as having an aura or did, were you able to really, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, sort of keeping him, you know, it's just another fighter. Yeah, it was just another fighter to me. And it's like Anderson, still just another fighter. You know, it's like Anderson's very, very good. Um, you know, he's, he's gotten old just like me. Uh, you know, he's... Uh, you know, for me, I never put him on a pedestal. I didn't think of him that way, the way a lot of other guys do. It's, you know, it's like Anderson's really, really good. He's a very, very good fighter. I respected, you know, what he was capable of doing. Um, you know, it's like he, he's a fighter. Well, it's got to be an important part of the, the fighter mentality too, right? Like if you're sort of looking at this guy like he's this great big thing and then you have to fight him, like mentally you're at a disadvantage, right? Because you're already looking at this guy as better than, than what he is. And in reality, your job is to go out there and kick his ass. Uh, I don't I don't view it as a disadvantage. You know, it's like I, I knew what I was capable of and I was I was very convinced I could beat Anderson. You know, it's like uh, I think I showed that I was capable of beating him. Uh, I didn't, it wasn't my day that day. Uh, but, you know, it's like Anderson, uh, you know, he was just another guy and you know, it's like, and it was just a matter of uh, me trying to figure out if I was as good as I thought I was. And, uh, you know, it's like, I figured out that I was good. You know, I wasn't as good as uh, he was that day, though. though. How, how was it mentally coming off of that fight? You, you mentioned it a little bit, but like, what are you sort of thinking after that fight? Because your career did end, you know, a couple fights later, you had retired. Like, how did you sort of feel coming off of that fight? You know, I was okay after that fight. You know, it's like, I was very convinced I could beat Anderson. Uh, you know, I ended up hurting my neck before I fought Rich Franklin. I heard it in training, and we had to postpone the fight. Um, you know, and then uh, and then I really, really hurt my fight uh, or my neck. Uh, two fights later, after that, um, I cracked a vertebrae in my neck, and ended up having to have a three-level fusion. So it's like, uh, you know, that that was the biggest thing. You know, as far as the change for me, it's like I physically wasn't the same anymore. You know, because of the injury. So at what point did you kind of sit down and realize, like, you know what, maybe it's time to call it a career? Like, was it just the injuries? Like, what was it specifically where you were like, you know what, I, I know now that it's time? When I had the surgery, uh, you know, it's like uh, I was hoping that I'd be able to fight. I thought I'd heal. And it, I waited. A, um, it took a couple of years for me to, for the for me to have atrophy in my left arm. And once I started having atrophy, I stopped training. I scheduled my surgery. I had the surgery, and then I was still hoping after I uh, had the surgery that maybe I'd be able to fight. And then my neck was, you know, is uh, was improved to a degree, but not the way, not enough to uh, let me fight. You know, it's like I've never been able. I have it's, um, you know, I uh, my neck is fragile. It's just it's like I have to protect it all the time. So. It's uh, it's not the same as it was. So it's like I, I knew I, I couldn't fight anymore. 
So what does that mean for you today if, you're, if your neck is still fragile? Does that mean you still have to be careful when you sort of train with these guys? Like you mentioned you needed a wrestler, so you became the wrestler. Like how does that kind of affect you when you're training and working I, with all I, these guys? I, you know, it's like I can go out and do it uh, for a day. It's just I suffer for the next two or three days afterwards or a week. Uh, you know, it's like I'm just, you know, my neck is locked up. My back is locked up. Uh, you know, I'm just in pain. Uh, you know, and I, I'm in pain in general. But this this is a little bit more severe. So uh, the the thing with the retired fighters is a lot of people they talk about the effects you know after their career stuff that they notice later on and, and stuff. You sort of mentioned being in pain all the time, but what's some kind of things some some effects you notice now post career? I believe 10, 11 years later. You know, my biggest thing is just pain. You know, it's like uh, you know I got old. You know, it's like I, it's like I just got, everybody gets old. You know, it's like you can sit on your couch and. Uh, sit on the rocking chair and you can get old or you can go out there and go to war and uh, you're going to get old in there too. It's like Michael Jordan himself got got old. Anderson Silva got old. We all get old. You know, it's like it's like it's either that or you die. Um, you know, so those are the two choices. Uh, I've gotten old just like everybody else. Uh, you know, it's like I'm not as fast as I once was. I'm not as strong as I once was. Um, you know, it's like I'm, I'm uh, more human. So uh, you are currently coaching Kevin Holland, which you guys did talk about on the podcast, but what, what was kind of like your first impression meeting someone like Kevin? Because he does have a personality, which is working out for him in his career because he's attracting a lot of fans, but he's kind of a unique personality. Uh, Kevin, I've known Kevin since he was 17. So it's like, you know, Kevin wasn't Kevin then. You know, it's like I've, I've been along for the ride since, you know, it's like he, since he started training uh, with me, uh, you know, it's like Kevin is, is a different different human but it's like that's not the same kevin that uh you guys all know and love you know as a kid you know that i met so what what, what caused the change like were you able to kind of notice it over time or do you just kind of sit back one day and realize like wait a minute this you know this kevin's a little bit different from when i, I first met him it's not that he's different it's like it's uh i think you're he's just uh you know kevin is just like everybody else he's just much better at fighting than most people and, uh, excuse me, you know, Kevin, Kevin's a very, very good athlete. Uh, you know, it's like, so that's the thing that you're going to notice about Kevin first is, is that, you know, it's like he's a very, very, very good athlete. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was apparent when he first came into the gym, you know, but he's, uh, he, uh, he, he's just, he's just better than, you know, as, a, as an athlete. So he learns faster. He can retain stuff uh, to a degree, you know, it's like he retains it. And he's just, you know, he's, he's just fast. He's strong. He's, you know, he's a very, very good athlete. He's, he's, and Kevin's also very intelligent. I mean, we have to say in terms of toughest UFC debuts, like Kevin's got to be up there, right? Fighting Tiago Santos, especially even, even where Tiago is now. But at the time, too, like you're fighting a veteran, a guy who eventually did go on to fight John Jones. Like that must have been, you know, the toughest debut you could have possibly had getting into the UFC. Yeah, that was, that was definitely, uh, you know, but Kevin was excited, you know, and Kevin don't give a shit, you know, it's like Kevin just wants to fight, you know, it's like Kevin, Kevin's, Kevin's wires are a little different than a lot of people, Kevin likes to fight, Kevin wants to fight, um, you know, it's like, uh, Kevin's a complicated guy. And so uh, we saw recently that Hamza Shemaev, like he retired, and I know you said on the podcast, like that was someone, Kevin, Kevin was always poking the bear, right? What, what was kind of you guys' reaction when you saw that? Like, do you, do you buy it at all? Um, you know, I don't know. You know, it's like uh, that, that. That all we'll have to wait and see. You know, it's like I mean, I know he's dealing with COVID. I know that. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I went through COVID. I know it sucked. You know, and, and it's different for everybody. Um, you know, it's like uh, you know, in his case, sounds really really rough, and maybe that's why. I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate. I don't know the guy. I've never met him. Uh, you know, it's like I've never had a conversation with him. You know, I wish him luck, and I, I hope he's okay. So what what was your experience with COVID? Like, I know some people, it, it's weird because it seems everybody has some difference. Some people, they go the full two weeks, lingering effects, stuff like that. What was kind of your experience with it? You know, mine was, you know, two weeks of not very fun. You know, I was very, very sick, uh, sickest I've been in years, you know, maybe ever. And then afterwards, I kind of had lingering effects as far as, like, uh, lungs feeling heavy and then tiredness and headaches. Uh, but... In general, it's like I feel like now I'm basically 100% over it. So, 
So, I mean, what, what was that recovery like? Like, that's a tough one, right? Like, you kind of have to rebuild your lungs a little bit, even your body. Like, how, how do you recover from something like that? Go back to training. Go back to training. Start training. Work out. You'll be fine. <laughs> there we go. Uh, listen, this fight against uh, Derek Brunson for Kevin Holland, what was you guys' reaction when you got the fight? Like, obviously, there's got to be a certain excitement knowing that, you know, Derek's reached that point in his career where if you can beat Derek, you know, you belong top 10, top 5. Like, it must have been pretty exciting when you found out that was next. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, you know, Kevin's wanted to fight Derek, you know, it's like, I'm in favor, you know, it's like, uh, I think we can beat him, you know, it's like, he's a tough fighter, it's like, you know, he's, uh, his wrestling's real good, uh, his, uh, his, he hits hard, you know, it's like, the, you know, he, he's, and he's fought a bunch of tough guys, you know, it's like, um, he, he's, he's dangerous, you know, it's like, so it'll be fun, it's gonna be a good fight for Kevin. Without giving too much away, because I know a lot of stuff has to has to stay secret, but is there something in particular you guys are doing that's maybe a little bit different from a training camp, uh, like it, for past opponents, or is this kind of kind of similar to what it's always been? It's pretty similar. It's pretty similar. It's like going up to twenty, you know, twenty five minutes versus fifteen. You know, is is definitely been a, um, an adjustment for Kevin. You know, because it's like you know he's uh, you know it's like this is you know it's a, it's more work. You know, putting in for five rounds uh, versus three is uh is definitely harder and three is hard enough uh you know it should be good you know it's like uh, i'm excited for kevin and I, I like his chances in the fight so how, how do you train for a 25 minute round because as a fighter like people have mentioned in the past like it's not just about sprinting and going on the bike and building up that regular cardio it's about you know more some guys said you build it up through wrestling you build it up through swimming what are you guys doing mm -hmm. to sort of get to that that 25 minute round uh shape you know, Kevin swims, Kevin, uh, Kevin wrestles, of course, you know, he's sparring, he's running, he's doing hills, he's got carrying buckets, he's, you know, it's like, he's working out very, very hard, you know, it's like, um, you know, there's, there's no real secrets in it, it's got to put in the work, you know, put in the work, put in the time, and, and it'll be there. So what, what does this do for his career at this point? Like, we, we always mention what, what happens when you beat a Derek Brunson, like we saw for Israel Adesanya, for example, but... You guys, there must be some kind of excitement knowing what this means going forward. Should you guys beat this guy? Yeah, if Kevin can beat him, you know, it's like then you're, then you're you know, maybe top five. Uh, you know, Kevin might, might get ranked in the top five, uh, and that would be good. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I think Kevin's in the top ten now. Uh, you know, it's like uh, he's number nine or ten, something like that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just uh, right now I won't worry about, you know, Kevin beating 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 him and then uh and then we can look forward after that you know but like right now i just want his mind on there for sure uh how how is it with uh kevin at this point media wise like i assume he's got to get a ton of interview requests stuff like that especially when people find out he's good at talking and he's getting bigger like i assume it's reached a point now where he must get requests all the time yeah i mean and kevin likes it and i encourage him to do it and it's like you know as long as he makes it to training you know it's like uh i'm okay with kevin doing as many interviews as he wants because I think it's good for his ego. I think it's good for, he enjoys it. You know, it's like he likes to talk. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's definitely, I, I think it benefits Kevin. Are, are you guys one of those teams where it's like you, you want to be careful, like what kind of information he gives out there? Because I know some guys are really weird about giving away stuff during interviews. Are you guys like that at all? Or, or with no, Kevin, is it, no, you can't worry about no, that? we're not like that. So, no. There we go. You mentioned on the podcast something that I thought was interesting where Kevin was talking about how he smokes before practice and stuff like that. Yeah. What, how different do you think it would be if he didn't smoke? Like, what kind of effect does that have? Because that, that's one of those weird things where nobody I think really it benefits knows. Kevin. I, I really think it, you know, it's like Kevin has figured out a way to self-medicate himself for, you know, to help with maybe, you know, maybe anxiety, maybe, you know, just all the things that, you know, all of us deal with in life. And, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and that's, you know, he is kind of self-medicating himself with, with marijuana. It brings him into a, a place where, uh, you know, it, it helps him a little bit. And, you know, it's like, and he, he does really, you know, it's like, I, I don't want Kevin too high. It's like, okay, don't, don't, whatever you did today, don't do that. But it's like, but in, in general, it's like, I don't mind Kevin if he's a little bit, little bit, whatever he does before class, that's, that's his business. As long as he comes in, it doesn't work. And he's willing to listen, you know, we're good. You know, it's like we got no problems then. And Kevin, you know, Kevin is really, really uh, matured and, and is willing to, you know, willing to do things that maybe a five years ago that wouldn't have been possible. 
Have you reached that point where you know him well enough that you can see when he spots in the gym, like if you smoke too much during practice or before practice, like you sort of see him and you're like, oh boy, it's going to be a long training session. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good about not doing that. So it's like, uh, it, it happens occasionally, but it's like, and even when he does, it's like, he's still coming. You know, it's like, he's still, yeah. you know, it's like, he'll, you know, he'll still beat everybody that's sober. So it's like, it's fine. No big deal. Now, speaking of the beating people sober, have you has Kevin trained sober? Like, do you know what a sober Kevin looks like in the gym? Oh, yeah. Have you experienced that? Yeah, yeah, it's it's still a monster. It's like uh, you know, Kevin's a monster, you know, enhanced or non-enhanced. You know, he's he's still Kevin. You know, it's like, you know, Kevin's a special athlete, and uh, he's, uh, you know, it's like I haven't trained with John Jones, but it's like you know, it's got to be similar. For sure. Uh, I have somebody here asking about Randa Marcos. I'm going to read this question out. I said, Randa Marcos is training at the gym now. How is she looking? She looks better. She's, I think she's looking good. You know, it's like uh, um, she seems to be happy and she's training hard and, uh, you, know, when, you know, super happy to have her part of the team. Uh, well, what kind of training is she doing with you guys? Like, is she doing her whole training camp with you guys? I know in the past she's done boxing over here, jiu-jitsu over there. Is she doing everything with you guys? She's doing everything, uh, everything with us. You know, it's like uh, she's, she's, you know, she goes down there. Um, she's been down to work with Bob in Houston um, at least once. Um, she might have went down there twice. I think it was just once she went down there. Um, you know, it's like I got, got to work in for a day or two, and then she's back and back training. So it's, she's mostly just doing, you know, she does, you know, her sparring there, jiu-jitsu there, wrestling there wrestling with me so it's like no she's uh she's training very hard well what's the plan Randa? do you kind of know is it sort of you know going through this training camp seeing the results of the fight and then finding out like you know because I, I know there's an adjustment period you have to figure out if everyone's the right fit like what's kind of the pro approach going forward with randa you know uh we'll kind of see you know it's like uh see how how this helps her you know or uh, you know hopefully we, hopefully we're going to help her in this fight and, you know, get her, get her a W. Um, she's got a tough fight. This newcomer that's coming up, uh, that she's going to take on, and and she's, she's it's going to be a good fight. I, I think that she can win, and uh, it'll be fun to find out. I know she was saying she was having some issues a little bit mentally with, you know, like looking at her record where she was going win loss, win loss, win loss, and she was saying a lot of that was, you know, mental. What, what, what can you guys do in that position? Because sort of, you're not sports psychiatrists or whatever that is, but what, what can you do to sort of help her overcome something like that? You know, what I'm encouraging her to think about is, is that, you know, it's like that, that, that's yesterday. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like you've, got a, you've fought really, really tough girls. You know, it's like, I mean, she's fought Mackenzie Dern. She's, she's fought, you know, really, you know, some of the best girls in the business. And, uh, you know, it's like now let's not worry about the past. Let's go forward. Let's concentrate on this girl and how you can beat her. And uh, that, so that's what we're concentrating on, and that's what we're doing. So what's your plan with your fight team? Like, do you have sort of this, like, big, great big idea? Like, are you looking to become one of those huge training camps? Like, uh, no. no, nothing no. like that? No, it's like, I mean, if, if somebody wants to come to me and, and get work in, that's, that's great. You know, it's like if, if that's what they, you know, if I can help them, that's great. But as far as, like, you know, having a, you know, being the next AKA or something like that, I, I, no, I, I don't really... You know, that takes, uh, that, you know, it's like, if I'm not going to say no, but I'm not, you know, not actively pursuing it. I just want to teach you to train, uh, you know, deal with the fighters that I care about. And, uh, you know, it's like if, uh, you know, it's like Kevin, you know, it's like Kevin's, Kevin's, you know, I've been around him for 11 years, so it makes it easy to care. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I want to see Kevin succeed. Randa, you know, Randa's been here for you know, about six weeks now, you know, it's like, I like her. She's, she's, she's a very nice, nice person. Um, uh, not going to claim that nowhere, you know, is like this, you know, not like Kevin or anything like that. Um, you know, and I'm hoping to try to help her, uh, with the idea of just, you know, trying to whoever that I help, you know, trying to make them into the best possible fighter that they could be. Well, what's your approach as a coach when you have someone that wants to join your gym? Like, are you one of those guys that kind of sits down to figure out what their goals are, what their mindset is, or do you sort of let guys come in and then just kind of figure that out as you go? Uh, the guys who join the gym, it's like, you know, it's like uh, most of the people that are in my gym are just, you know, a lot of jujitsu people. I got Muay Thai people. Most of them are just average, every, everyday people that are just there training to try to make their lives better. Uh, you know, it's like that every single person has a different goal. Every single person is, uh, 
you know, is, is looking to get something different out of jujitsu than, than, uh, you know, than the other person. So it's like, um, I usually start having conversations with people as they get closer to the blue belt. You know, it's like, let's see if they stick around. Let's see if, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, when you sign up with a few hundred people every year that come into the gyms, I, I tend to concentrate on the people that, um, uh, that stick around and end up there. You know, it's like, you know, cause it's like, you know, it's like Kevin isn't that unusual in my gym. I've got lots of guys, you know, my oldest, my oldest student, well, not the technically oldest student, the student that I've had the longest is 65, 66 years old now. And he's been training with me for 23 years. Um, you know, so it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it takes a while to get to know, you know, somebody and, uh, you know, and see how I can help them and, uh, make, try to make them better. Well, when you have those guys that come into the gym to learn the jujitsu and stuff, are you able to sort of spot at this point, like who, who's going to make it far, who's going to fizzle out as soon as it gets tough, like still haven't been able to do that? No, I, I used to play that game. You know, it's like when somebody would join on whether or not I thought they'd be there, you know, you know, all oh, this, this guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be, this guy's going to be around for a long time. I don't play that game no more. I, I'm never right. I never know who's going to stick around. You know, it's like, you just have no idea. You know, it's like the whole thing is, is it's like life, you know, it's like training that it takes a certain level of commitment. You need to be in there you know, a few days a week, you know, it's like, uh, depending on how serious you are, are you a casual guy? Are you training, you know, three times a week? Or are you somebody that's serious who's training six days a week? You know, it's like, you know, it's like six days a week is a huge time commitment. Three times a week is a huge time commitment. It takes, you know, it's like, so being in a gym day in, day out, you know, it's like, uh, you know, that, that's, that takes time, you know, it's like, and, so you just got to go through the numbers and, you know, eventually, you know, you end up with a bunch of black belts on the map, but it, it definitely takes a long time. And I never, ever know who's going to stick around and who's going to, who's going to quit this guy who joins. And I think he won't last a week. He might be there 10 years from now. So I just never know. Do you have a lot of guys that come in and it's like their reason for coming in is like, you know, I watch UFC. I want to train UFC on the mats. Like you have a lot of guys like that that come in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot of guys that, oh, I want to fight. You know, it's like, and everybody wants to fight until they get hit in the face. And then, then you know, and then all of a sudden it becomes a lot less. Um, and so it, it, it's, you know, you definitely have those, you know, it's like, oh, my, my nephew is a really, really good athlete. I think he'd be a really, really good fighter. You should look at him. He needs to come join the gym. You know, it's like, I'm not going to look at your somebody and, and see what I think. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, come train. Come and we'll wait We'll get him ready. We'll, you know, we'll eventually have him spar, and then we'll figure out if he likes it. And it's like, you know, the whole thing is you have to like it. You got to be a little bit different. And uh, it's one thing to watch it. It's one thing to, you know, come in there and train and hit mitts. And but when things start hitting back, it's like that changes people's minds on whether or not they want to, you know, fight anymore. It's it's interesting because that seems to be the big thing is that a lot of guys they think like I can throw a punch I can this and that is that the biggest thing is sort of when they get punched in the face that's when you know like who's got a future in fighting and who doesn't. Man, not even then. You know, it's like it's you know it's like uh, there's so many X X factors as far as fighters. You know, it's like a I need to be a little bit lucky. You know, it's like um, b I, I better have talent. Um, you know, and, and do you meet the minimum, you know, it's like the minimum level of athleticism, you know, it's like, think about the minimum level of athleticism for football. Now it's like, it all depends on your position. You know, it's like a, a quarterback's going to have a strong arm, a, a running back's going to have to be strong and fast. And it's like a lineman needs to be big and, and, and fast. And, you know, it's like, so it, it, there's all these different things that go into athleticism. If you don't make the minimum, then it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, so it's like if you're not athletic, uh, and you you don't you know it's like the minimum level for UFC. It's like and this is an imaginary line, of course. Um, uh, okay, Ben Askren. Ben Askren wasn't recruited out of high school to wrestle in college. You know it's like it ended up becoming a two-time national champ. He uh, he didn't fit their idea ideas of minimum athleticism. Uh, and you know, and he proved them wrong. That's rare. That's very, very rare for these guys to 
you know, to become a national champion when you're not recruited out of high school, you know, it's like, and, um, he's, uh, you know, he, he's, he's definitely a special athlete and stuff like that, but I don't think anybody's going to ever put him on the upper echelon of athleticism, you know, versus somebody like, you know, uh, DSP or somebody like that. Does that make sense? It does make a lot of sense. What what sort of the factors in athleticism that that you look for in something like that? Because for basketball, for example, I know it's your vertical. Do you have the fast twitch and stuff like that? But in fighting, it, it obviously has to be different. Because if, if you can jump high in the cage, I don't see what that can really do for you. But what are the facts of athleticism that you're you're looking for in, in your criteria? Well, the guy's got to you know uh, he needs to a needs to be fast. You know, it's like being fast is huge. You know, being fast translates to hand speed. It translates to be ability to shoot it, shoot a quick uh, double leg. It, it translates for lots of things. Uh, you know, being physically strong. You know, it's like I, there, I, I really believe that there's a. You know, if I'm not at the minimum level of strength, you know, uh, the guys are just going to, you know, abuse you. Uh, you they're going to run over you physically. Uh, you know, so it's like it, it's there. It's not really one thing that you're looking for. It's just kind of the cumulative effect. You know, it's like and uh, of you know, who you think is going to end up, you know, going to be good. There's been lots of good athletes come through the gym over the years. Um, just not very many of them ended up getting good enough to fight. Yeah. And then there's, then there's, and, or maybe they don't want to fight. Maybe they've got a law degree and they're very athletic. Uh, and they just want to come in and train and they don't, you know, I've got lots of guys, you know, about 80, 85% of my, Students don't want to compete in anything. They don't. They just want to come in. They want to train, uh, and, and so it doesn't really matter if they, if they were really really athletic, and they might make a great fighter, uh, they, they, but they don't want to. You know, it's like they've got other things going on in their life. They might be married. They might have kids. They might. You know, it's like maybe they just think that time has moved on, or maybe they're just not interested. And so it's like, but they enjoy training. So it's like uh, they're, it's a they're they're you know. Coming up with fighters is, you know, is, uh, takes time. Athleticism is such an interesting thing because some people feel like you can you can become athletic. Some feel like you can only improve it. Either you have it or you don't. Well, what's kind of your stance on it? Do you believe it's something that you either have or you don't? Or can you build some, some sort of athleticism? Well, if I've got a plow horse, if I have a plow horse and I fill it full of steroids, I, it's not going to win the Kentucky Derby. And it's like, you know, and now that's one part of athleticism. I'm not going to take a horse that's going to a thoroughbred and turn it into a plow horse to pull the plow either. You know, so that you got two different forms of athleticism there. Uh, you know, one pulling as a static object, you know, at a, at a steady rate for eight hours a day um, or however many hours a day you had that horse pulling the, the plow. And then you have another horse that's going to go out there and run for, you know, a couple minutes and be super, super fast. And, uh, you know, there, there's just different levels of all this stuff. Um, you know, it's like, so you need to figure out what are you, are you fast? Are you, you know, it's like Pete Spratt. Pete Spratt on the Ultimate Fighter was crazy fast, man. It's like, you go out and do a foot race with him and he just kill everybody. I mean, it's like, you know, when I say kill everybody, it's like we do it doing a 60, 70 yard race. And, uh, you know, and we're just doing sprints, you know, and, but it turns into a race because everybody's competitive. Everybody wants to see. And he'd let us start and he'd give everybody a 10, 10 second head start. And then he would beat us by 10 foot. It was crazy. You know, or not 10 seconds, but a 10 foot head start. And then he beat us by 10 foot. And I mean, it's like, he was just, you know, it's like you're standing still as he's walking by everybody. And then it's like, you know, GSP was in that group. You know, it's like GSP is, you know, one of the more athletic guys. It looks like to me, uh, yeah, in, in MMA, you know, it's like he, he was fast, he was flexible, he was strong. He was, you know, it's like he had great timing. It's like, you know, he was a very athletic uh, fighter, um, you know, and he was mid-pack, you know. So it's like, I don't think that there's one thing that really says this is athleticism. It's, it's about putting everything together and, there's just sometimes there's special people in this world. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like uh, somebody like Kevin is very, very special. As you're going up in your fight career, at what point did you realize you had the right kind of athleticism to to pursue a career in fighting? Obviously, the jujitsu stuff as well. Like, when when did you start realizing what kind of aspects of athleticism that you possessed? 
You know, I was uh, I was probably on the lower end as of uh, athleticism. You know, it's like uh, for you know meeting the minimum. You know, it's like I was strong. I, I was I was okay. Uh, you know, I wasn't fast. Um, I had a good sense of timing. Um, you know, things like that. But I, I wasn't, I, I would have never made a boxer. You know, it's like if I was going to be a boxer, I was going to have to brawl a lot. And, uh, you know, it's like because I just didn't have the hand speed or, uh, you know, my foot speed wasn't going to be quick enough uh, to go up into the upper echelon of that. Now with MMA where I could take people down, it's like and, and being strong, you know, is probably a little more important than it is in boxing. And not that boxers aren't fine, aren't strong. I'm sure George Foreman's stronger than most people at 70 some years old um, you know he, he's a you know that, that that's a special athlete so no offense to those guys i'm just saying that it's like um you know i i think i met you know i was at the minimum level you know it's like our you know maybe a little bit above the minimum uh you know it's like i wasn't anything special uh you know it's like i, I mine was more mental that i think i i did better uh, because of understanding of the game and, you know, being able to, uh, you know, go out there and put the, my game plan together to go out there and give myself the best chance to win. Did, did you do anything to improve your speed? Like you always hear, like, there's always these weird theories about how to improve your speed and it, it doesn't feel like there's really anything concrete, but did you do anything to work on that? Man, the speed is, you know, it's like, again, you know, it's like, it's kind of like you know, the plow horse thing. Uh, you know, it's like I, I did sprints, I did, you know, all those things, you know, it's like I, I ran track, uh, you know, it's like I was just never going to be that fast of a guy, you know, it's like uh, I had decent endurance, but not amazing endurance, and I had, you know, it's like I was just, you know, I was okay, you know, as far as speed, I had a quick shot, uh, but I wasn't exceptionally fast or anything like that, hand speed wasn't there the way that, you know, some of these guys are. Um, I, but I can hit hard, you know, but it's like, but you have to put yourself in position, uh, to, to actually land the punch in order, you know, so it's like, it was, it was, a, uh, you know, definitely, definitely a challenge, uh, you know, when you're not as athletically gifted as some, somebody like Kevin. The, the horse example is, is so good because it's like the horse, it's like the same animal. But when you think of a plow horse, think of a thoroughbred. You don't think of the same, like, right. it's a completely different build. And so it's a good thing because I think as humans, we tend to sort of look at everybody as equal. But you couldn't have a human that's more of a plow horse, more of a, a thoroughbred right. or something like that. So it's a super interesting example. And, and I think it really simplifies it where you understand exactly, you know, what you're talking about in terms of athleticism. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, it's like uh been, been doing this for a little while. So, yeah. That's, that's fair. Are you currently living on a farm? Did, did I see that correctly? I believe you guys had a new calf or something like that? Yeah, we, we, uh, I, I, I have 10 acres here in uh, Brock, Texas. I live outside. It takes me about 30 minutes to drive to the city. So it's like uh, definitely not a farm, just, you know, 10 acres. And I've got, you know, I've got two cows and I got a cow and a bull and now I got a calf and then I got three horses and stuff like that. So, yeah, I grew up on a farm, an actual real farm. Uh, farm slash ranch in South Dakota, um, you know, where we, we, I think we're capped out around 200 head of cows. My dad did. Um, and then, uh, you know, farm, you know, I don't know, a thousand acres, uh, maybe 1200 and put up hay on a lot of acres and, and had, had cattle and stuff like that. So it's it, it, um, very different upbringing, up, upbringing than what I live currently. You know, my kids, you know, as I, I sometimes get surprised, you know, it's like their reactions to, you know, like the calf, you know, they were just so excited, but nervous, scared. And yeah. I, like, I just, you know, it's like, I, I guess I, since I grew up with it, you know, it's like, it was just, it was a little bit different. I was just never scared. So. For, for the calf thing, I think the, the interesting thing is I know, uh, like I have a lot of family members that grew up on a big cattle farm as well. And for the calves, a lot of times they would, you know, grab like the old rusty chain and, you know, pull them, Straight yeah. out of the cow, and that would terrify people that you know have never seen something like that before. Do you guys have to do anything like that in your situation? Yeah, you know, when I grew up, yeah, we had to pull calves. You know, it's like that—that's that's a normal thing. Uh, these cows that I have is is a Dexter cow, and they're notoriously easy calving. You know, so it's like I just came home and calf was born. I didn't have to do anything, and it's like, uh, um, and I, I, you know, I, I didn't want to have to go out there and uh, pull a cow. That, that doesn't. You know, help deliver it. Uh, I did that enough as a kid. 
Well, I assume growing up in that kind of environment, though, it desensitizes you a little bit to some stuff, right? Like people talk about farm strength. There's a certain toughness that you develop, right? Like you sort of, you mentioned your kids are excited but scared, but for someone like you growing up in that kind of environment, it must desensitize you to a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, it's just kind of the way it is. You know, it's like when you're growing up on a farm, you're going to see, you know, it's like even sometimes life and death is a little bit different on a farm, you know, because you did see a lot more death than my kids have saw. Um, you know, it's like because animals die. And it's like when you have that many, it's like, you know, we had, you know, a couple hundred cows and, you know, you're going to lose calves every year. And, and it's like we had pigs and you're lo- you lose baby pigs every year. And uh, my uncle had sheep and my grandfather had sheep. And it's like, you know, it's like everybody, you know, we had horses. Uh, you know, so it's like you're going to have a certain amount of death around you that, you know, maybe, maybe it does desensitize the guy a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, uh, no, I still don't, you know, still not happy if somebody around me dies or, you know, if a <laughs> dog dies, that, that's yeah. terrible. Or even my horse, I'll be, I'd be very upset. So it's like, uh, um, but yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying that it probably does desensitize a guy a little bit. It, it would be kind of weird if you had your dog die or something and everyone's crying and your reaction is like, you know, give me the shovel or something like that. You're just this cold badass. It's like, you know, why are you guys crying? This happens. It, it would, it would be a little bit weird for your family. I'm sure. Yeah, I, de- I don't think I'll cry when my dog dies, but it's like I might. I don't know. I doubt it. You know, it's like I don't really. I'm not really kind of that. That, but maybe who knows? You know, I love my dog, but you know, it, it's like uh, he disappeared for a week once. He he, he got lost, and uh, you know, that was I was very upset, and it was you know, it's like but uh, um, yeah, I, I was ha- I was definitely happy to get my dog back. So you know, and, and he's yeah he's like 17 years old now so it's like wow there's not very much time left but i've got another dog and it'll be fine well what kind of dog do you guys have 17 years old wow yeah he's a boxer uh boxer lab uh you know it's uh he's 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 a very nice dog uh you know and i think he's 17 um and then we've got a, a puppy that i got uh that is uh what he's supposed to be a uh Labradoodle, but I don't think he is. I think he's uh, Irish Wolfhound and and Poodle. Um, still in a very, very nice dog. I like him. Well, you're going to see a big size difference in that case. Like thinking, you know, you go from uh, Labrador to Irish Wolfhound, like you're going to have this gigantic creature sitting in your living room. It's going to be like, oh. He's yeah. very, very, very big. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely not the dog expert. And it's like, uh, you know, it was a buddy of mine that was telling me that he, he was looking at his face and he didn't. He he didn't think he was, uh, you know, uh, poodle or whatever they said he is. You know, it's like, so he, he. But he's a great dog. He's very smart. I like him. You know, he's, he's sweet, nice. Won't bite anybody. So I, I, I like that about him. You you mentioned on your farm you have a bull. I know growing up the big thing was always if you go into the field like you you have one eye on the bull at all times because at any moment he could come rushing across. Like you really had to make sure you knew what you were doing. Uh, are you guys kind of in that situation, or do you have an animal that's a little bit a little bit more subdued? You know he scares my kids. You know it's like, uh, but he's he's a big baby. You know it's like and most bulls are. That it's like yeah you're gonna have a few cows that you know it's like that are. are Maybe, you know, like, especially when they have a calf, you have to be real nervous about them uh, attacking you. But it's like, my cows are very nice. They're, they're fine. They're just little Dexters. They're, they're sweet. Well, what, what's kind of the plan? Like, are you expecting BMF Ranch Part 2? Like, is this what we can come no. to expect? Or is it just no. is it about keeping everything fun? I, I you know, if I, if I had a whole bunch of money, yeah, I'd, I'd have a big ranch. It's like, uh, but I don't have a lot of, uh, a whole bunch of money, so... I have a little little ten acres, so that that's what I have. So, when when uh, when everything shut down, like, were you able to sort of build kind of like a, a home gym or something like that to continue training? Because we know a lot of you know a lot of fighters were pretending they weren't training, but in reality, you had your passcode, you had your secret knock, and people were still making things happen. Uh, my place, you know, it's like a, um, you know, I'm not gonna build a home gym because I have a gym. It's in town. <laughs> it's like, and just because somebody says that I can't have class doesn't mean I can't go in there and train. I can legally go in there and train myself. And, uh, and yeah, we did have illegal, you know, training sessions, you know, it's like, uh, just like I think everybody did, you know, we were only shut down in Texas for six weeks. Uh, and then we were allowed to open up after six weeks, 
But I made it very, very clear to my guys that it's like we were not going to be doing social distancing in my gym. We weren't going to be wearing masks. Um, you know, it's like uh, my, my feeling was that it's like we're all adults. Um, if you're sick, stay home. If you are scared, stay home. If you feel comfortable to come train and you're healthy, come train. And, and so that's what we did once it, once it opened up. And for the simple reason, you can't social distance in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing. You know, wearing a, that, a mask, that, that, that sounds dangerous to me. Might choke on it or something. So it's like, so um, I wasn't really uh, interested in, in doing any of those things. And if you read our governor's order, the Texas governor's order, it was really, really bad. You know, basically, uh, you know, said that, you know, it's like, you know, you have to do all these things, but if you can't, then that's okay. You know, and that's why I interpreted it. And the other thing was, is it's like after talking to lawyers and stuff, they said that it was going to be really, really hard for them to enforce. And um, so I just ignored it. And I just, you know, had business as usual. And I think that that has helped, helped my gym recover from it a lot faster than a lot of these gyms. I think it was a huge mistake for to do social distancing jujitsu. Because it's like you're asking people to come in and, okay, we're going to stay six foot apart. We're going to practice a move. You know, it's like maybe we're going to make a dummy or something like that. That's not jujitsu. You know, jujitsu is I grab you, you grab me, uh, and I need to I need to train. You know, it's like I need to feel. And it's like in this, and if I'm going with a dummy, uh, you know, like a, a homemade dummy or one of those dummies that you buy, it's like that's not the same. It's like you're not, there's no resistance. It's just weight. And I need to feel. I need to feel strength. I need to feel this and that, and it's like, yeah, and it's not fun, and it's like, you know, um, I still train because I like it, you know, I should say I love it, you know, it's like, I love to train, I love to go out there and, and do what I do, it's fun, um, I have no plans of ever stopping until I physically cannot do it anymore, and so that's, that's, that's how we train, and it's like, I'm not going to go out there and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like asking me not to, you know, to close my shop up. You know, it's like you're telling me or I'm going to starve. Uh, you know, it's like I, I need to make money. I am not, a, you know, I'm not a rich guy, anything like that. Um, you know, so it's like it's best, you know, it's like I, I got to take care of my family. And so that's what I did. And uh, um, we ran, ran our business and, you know, we're, we're Texas back 100% open now. Thank goodness. Um, you know, I got COVID. Lots of my students got COVID. And just like the other 90 some percent, you know, are recovered. You know, it's like if you if if you had a relative or something that died, I'm sorry. You know, I'm definitely not saying that, you know, it's like that, that people didn't die. It's like I definitely think that people get sick from it and things like that. I just think that, you know, personal responsibility, uh, you know, I am in charge of my personal uh, health. And, you know, it's like and how I deal with that. And, uh and just like I believe that you are. And I think that if you want to train, you should be able to train. And I believe that I can train. I should be able to train also. So that's what we did. Well, it does feel like asking people to come in and train with a mask, social distance, like almost like it's you maybe shouldn't even train in that situation because it would be kind of half-assed, right? Like how do you want to have a real no. training session if, uh, you know, you're, you're doing all this stuff that will block you from doing what you're supposed to do? How could I charge you money to come in and train and not give you a product? You know, it's like my product is jiu-jitsu and, uh, or MMA or Muay Thai or whatever. I can't abide by social distancing in those situations. So you're asking me to close down my business. And it's like, and it's like, and if I have willing participants, you know, it's like when we, I ran classes during the quarantine when, it, when we weren't supposed to be running classes and guess who was training? Police officers and firemen. You know, it's like, these are, these are the guys, these are first responders. These are guys that are out there. You know, it's like, and these are guys that had to train. It's like this was not healthy for them to be, you know, it's like these, this is part of their stress relief. This is, this is how they relax at the end of the day and, and get rid of their stresses from their world. Well, guess what? Their world was even more stressful because of the, um, because of the lockdown, because of the riots, because of all these other things, you know, so these guys were more stressed than they couldn't train. And they're, and they're, they're calling me, Hey, if you do a, uh, you know, if you're going to do anything on the download, let me know. And I, I, okay. Yeah. I'm going to do it this time. 
and and you know it's like and, and you just had to figure out whether or not you could trust somebody and you're just guessing you know it's like i got i got reported three times uh after the quarantine lifted you know to the they were calling the whatever and they call us and and you know we tell them you know it's like no we're fine we're social distancing uh you know it's like they never came in but you know it's it's uh it, you know it's a very very strange time in america do, do you have to put a lot of trust in the people that come into the gym not just i mean like you mentioned that you know nobody goes out and reports you and stuff but in that if you're sick like stay home because you do have fighters that are preparing for a fight you know what i mean like is there a lot of trust in sort of the people that come in that they're going to make sure they're not getting anybody infected and sort of, you know, mess with you, you guys' training camp. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Kevin tested positive for that uh, that last fight and they got moved back, uh, um, you know, a week. You know, they moved it back seven days. You know, it's like, now what's funny is, is I trained with Kevin, you know, the day that he tested positive. And I got tested that day too. And I didn't test positive. And I didn't test positive the next week. Um, during the, you know, also for one of his other fights, I trained with a guy who who tested positive. He got really really sick also, and he tested positive. And I trained with him the day that I went and tested again. And I was nervous because it's like he his re, his results came back faster than mine did through the UFC because I got to send our results off. And uh, you know, and I passed then. I didn't get sick. I wasn't anything. And it's like and so it's like a, um, and I think that happened three times total where I test. I I'm actually training with somebody. It turns out that they had COVID, and then they they got sick, and I didn't. Now I have finally got. I started training. I decided to up my training, and I was like, oh, I'm going to try to get in a little bit better shape. I'm going to, you know, really push. And so I'm pushing it. And about a week into it, I I came down with COVID. And I just think that I brought down. You know, it's like my made myself tired, and you know, probably brought my immunity down. And uh, you know, I, I, I maybe I overtrained, maybe I don't, I'm not sure, but it's like, uh, um, you know, made myself, you know, and then I ended up getting COVID, and, you know, it, but it, it was at a good time. At least Kevin wasn't fighting and, you know, took it to a couple of weeks and I was back on the map. So during the six weeks with when the gym was shut down, like what kind of happens to you guys during that time? Like, are you losing memberships? Like what's happening during those six weeks to make sure that your business, you know, doesn't stop or, you know, have too many negative effects? Yeah, about 50% of the gym quit that, yeah. that, that, during that six weeks. You know, so you lose about, you know, 50% of your revenue. And it's like, you know, it's like, and my margins aren't that good. So it's like a guy's losing money. And it's like, and I decided to pay my guys that worked for me during that time, you know, so it's like we, so I'm still paying, I still have my normal expenses going out, but it's like, I, I'm not getting the same amount of money coming in. So no, your guy's just losing money. And it's like, uh, um, you know, and we, we bounced back quicker than most gyms, you know, it was simply, you know, luck or, you know, choices that a guy made. Uh, but it, so it was very, very, it was very, very, very stressful. So. I can imagine. How how was it? Because, you know, during the pandemic, obviously, Kevin took it as an opportunity to fight as many times as he could. How was sort of training camp and adjusting for you guys? Obviously, it's very different from, I'm sure, what you've been doing in the past, you know, when everything shut down. No, went back to business <laughs> as usual. You know, it's like, you know, Kevin, one day he called me and said, you know, like, hey, can we do some private training? I'm like, no. I go, all these guys that you're going to be training with, they're going to general class. You know, it's like, if you want to, it's like, we can't, they're not going to just train with you. They've got to train also, you know, it's like, so it's like, that's silly. It's like everybody, it's like, I'm in the general class. I have to go teach it, you know? So it's like, if I'm going to come coach you, I'm going to be, I'm going to be touching you. You know, it's like, so it's like, if I'm contagious, I'm contagious. This is just life. And, and you know, it's like, hopefully nobody's sick. If I'm sick, I'm going to stay home. If you're sick, you stay home. And if, and that's that's all we ask of people is if you're sick, don't come to the gym. You know, it's like and so that's what they did. And it's like and no, we went out went about, you know, classes were still the exact same as they were before. You know, it's like and we just because um, you can't, you know, it's like you can't hide from this shit. It's like it's going to get you. It's like it's not, you know, it's like sitting down at a restaurant. Do we really believe that, you know, it's like uh, you know, yeah, I'm safe because I wore my mask in and then I took it off as soon as I sat down. It's like no, it's like you're set. You're you're taking a social responsibility for yourself. You went out in public. You took, you know, it's like, um, 
you, it's like you're you're taking a chance, you know. So it's like, did that mask really really save you? It's like because if your waiter has COVID, you know, it's like you might get it, you know. It's like you might not. I don't know. I, I rolled with people that, you know, had, that tested positive and I didn't get it, you know. It's like, and then I finally got it. I don't know who I got it from, you know. It's like they didn't. Nobody else tested positive around me. I I don't, you know. It's like uh, we just, you know, it's like it's it's a strange strange sickness that nobody seems to understand yet. And so we know right now we're competing with no crowd. How do you guys like the no crowd? Is that something you like at all? Because it does feel like Kevin was someone that, you know, sort of feeds off that kind of energy. How are you guys liking the no crowd? Uh, Kevin kind of likes it. He kind of doesn't. You know, I think there's pluses and minuses. Uh, you know, one of the pluses is he can hear me when I'm talking to him. You know, it's like, well, you know, I can hear all the coaches. Uh, you know, one of the, you know, downsides is his opponent can hear me too. You know, it's like uh, we can, we can, all of us can hear each other. Um, you know, there's no after party. I feel bad for Kevin on that end. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Kevin, you know, Kevin would probably do well with, uh, with the after party and, uh, having fun. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's just business, you know, it's like, he's out there doing his thing and, you know, he kind of likes it, kind of doesn't, he kind of likes the smaller cage, kind of doesn't, you know, it's like, it's, it's just one of those things that there's pluses and minuses and, but both, both fighters have to deal with it. You know, it's not like I'm de my team's dealing with it and their team isn't. You know, we all both have to, so it's even. It's good. Let's go fight. Are, are you as a coach, are you thinking as you're shouting instructions, like maybe I need to be less loud, maybe I need to hide what I'm talking about a little bit more? Are you thinking about that or is that just a hindrance if you were to think about that too much? You know, it's like yeah, with uh, most of the time, it's like, you know, it's it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of like jujitsu. It's like, you know, yeah, you, maybe you do tip them off a little bit on what, what you're thinking about. But I have no idea if Kevin's going to do what I say, you know, especially with Kevin. You know, yeah. Kevin, Kevin may or may not, you know, he might just go a totally different direction, and that's okay, too. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Kevin, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, I, I don't think it affects it too much. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's fine. And so you did mention the small cage a little bit. Everybody kind of has their opinions. I think a lot of people are trying to kind of figure out, is it a hindrance? Is it a benefit? We saw with the, the 205 title fight, a lot of people felt like for Israel, it was tough not getting the, the right kind of movement. You guys have obviously fought in that small cage a lot. What did you kind of think of the, the size difference in that one? You know, it's a, it's a fight. You know, it's like, uh, it's like either way you got a cage behind you. You know, it's like you, you might have two steps instead of, you know, a half a step. To hit it but it's like you know drive and do your job and um i think that once the cage door closes i don't think it makes that big of a difference it's not like it's that tremendously small versus the big one the big one is big is it's you know the it is bigger um you know and for a fighter like kevin it's probably a benefit to be in the bigger one uh but he doesn't seem to have had a hard time fighting in a little one either so uh, as as before we wrap things, I do want to talk about the fight with Derek Brunson a little bit. But for you as a coach, what's kind of your preparation like? Without giving anything away specific, but are you the one that's kind of sitting down to watch tape and stuff like that? Does Kevin do a lot of that? What's kind of your preparation look like from a coach's perspective? You know, when we first when we first accept the fight, uh, you know, uh, before before Kevin even probably knows about the fight, uh, me and the other coaches watch the tapes of, you know, of his last few fights, you know. Um, you know, it's like we, we might watch, you know, some of the, the, the farther away ones, but we usually watch the most recent ones, the, the last couple, and we decide on what, what we think, you know, a good strategy is going to be, um, stuff like that. And then once, yeah, then once we've decided that, you know, it's like, a, um, then we're going to talk to Kevin about it, and you know, see what he thinks, you know, what he's comfortable with, what he wants to do, and and then we start going forward from there. You know, so it's like it's, you know, it's this definitely isn't, you know, we're not making a nuclear bomb or not, you know, it's like this isn't, uh, you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's like you know, he's got the same amount of tools as as we do. He's got two hands he's got two legs he's got knees he's got elbows you know it's like a, so are we and now it's it's a matter of who's going to go out there and, and put together you know who's faster who's who's better who's uh who has a better game plan um you know for the fight you know it's like uh so so we'll go out there and find out 
So uh, last thing, I'm not going to ask you your predictions as a coach. I think coaches usually have kind of the same prediction for their fighters. But what kind of fight are you expecting out there? Like, what, what are you sort of expecting uh, for the, the fans to sort of see out there when the two finally meet? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a clash of styles. You know, it's like Derek's going to want to take the fight to the ground. Kevin's going to try to keep the fight sandy. Um, you know, I think it'll be a fun fight. You know, it should be a good fight for the fans. Um, you know, Kevin Kevin hits hard. Derek hits hard. You know, so it's like it, it should be – it should be – you know, hopefully it's fireworks. You know, Kevin's last few fights have, you know, mostly been fireworks. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can keep that going. Well, there we go. I know everyone's looking forward to it. Uh, I always like to end the podcast by allowing the guests to sort of, if there's anything they want to shout out, anything they want to plug. I'm sure you have social media, your gym, stuff like that. If you have anything you'd like to shout out, now would be the time. Uh, just TravisLuter.com. You know, it's like that, that's the only thing for me is uh, that, that's my gym. It's TravisLuter.com. Uh, you know, it's like uh, always take a lot of new students. Well, there we go. Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. This was so great. And for the people that watched it until the end, shout out to you for getting here this far. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, man.